death, brokenness. I agree with you, Elder Afif. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. And we're dealing with broken, broken people. Broken people. Um, thank you, Ivy. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Father, we praise you, give you honor and glory. Lord, I pray first that the spirit of comfort, you have called him your, the comforter, come very near. Because we are broken. And I know, I know there are people way more broken than, than I that are struggling with things that, that I can't even imagine. And I ask that you come so near to them. Father, I ask that you anoint this place, these people, and may they be encouraged and empowered to know your true gospel and their true God. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So sing with me as our ritual goes. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. I don't know if you know this, that we are in 2017. You know that? But if you count backwards 500 years, what is the year? Oh. 1517. Now, 1517 is a special year. Can anybody tell me what happened in 1517? You can. Is, she, is Cheryl the only person? Okay, we got, a couple of, we got a couple here. Yes, thank you for saying the name. Martin Luther. Nailed. 95 theses. This, was a, this is the start of what we know officially of the Protestant Reformation. And it's believed to actually have happened, I, I mean, Halloween time, what we would call Halloween now in October. So we are in the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. We are here, and we have the message that we have, in part because of what happened 500 years ago. So I'm going to give you a preview throughout this year. We are going to be discussing the Reformers. We are going to be discussing the, the book that seemed to change everything, Romans. But here, in the book of Galatians, we are going to do a series, a journey through Galatians, which the more and more I talk to people, I realize a sad truth that a lot of people don't really get the gospel. 
There are many gospels out there. And that shouldn't be the case. You know, there's a, there's a picture up here of Brittany and Josh's wedding. This is what happened. This was Brittany and Josh's wedding right here. Man, they really, I mean, they, they rented out this big pyramid, and, and uh, man, they just, they hooked it up. Now, do you guys know where this place is? Las Vegas. You know, Vegas is its own beast of a city. Now, I haven't been there since I was probably about nine years old. Um, Bill Merman hasn't been there since last weekend. But, uh, and the weekend before and the weekend before. They, this, has such a, this is such a beast of a city that there are slogans that you know that what stays in, or what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Do you realize this is a city in the middle of a desert? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are other cities in the middle of a desert. You know, you might, have, you might even consider like cities like Phoenix or something. You know, these are cities that are not along, I don't know if Phoenix is along a river. Or, you know, a lot of the older cities are, we're along waterways. You know, we have Lake Michigan here, Chicago. We had Lake Erie around where I'm from. You know, so you had Toledo, Cleveland, you have Toronto. So you would have these buffalo, they're all along waterways, and that's why the Louisiana Purchase was so important. But you have a place in the middle of a desert, and it's like this. But there's only one real reason it's like this. Actually, it's believed the history is Hoover Dam. Hoover Dam, as President Hoover was building this dam, uh, you know, you bring all these workers. There's not enough workers locally because they're in a desert. So you bring all these workers to come work on this dam, and they're leaving families. They have nothing to do except for work on Hoover Dam. So you had some local businessmen and some not local mafia businessmen who said, Let's make entertainment for these people. They're so lonely, and they need something to do. And maybe we can make some of our money that wasn't so clean, cleaner. That's what we call money laundering. And they would do it through a thing called the casino. And because of one thing, the casino, you have made a desert town into a city that lives in infamy that has been compared to the old Sodom and Gomorrah. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You don't say that about any other city I can think of. Maybe in a different country there might be, you know, what happens in Tokyo stays in Tokyo. I don't know. I've never heard that before. Vegas. There is one reason it's there for gambling. They added other things. You have showgirls, you have, you know, stuff on the streets, you have, you know, you have entertainers, but the reason that they're there is for gambling. One reason. 
Go to Galatians 1. Galatians 1, chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians 1, chapter six, or verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, and then we'll get to 8 and 9. Uh, Galatians 1. And it says this, and it was read earlier. It says, I am astonished. That means I am flabbergasted. That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. But wait, which isn't really a gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So people are getting confused because there was a gospel, and now there's this other gospel that's not really a gospel that's coming in. Now, I guess I, I hate to do this because I assume, I probably assume too much. But what gospel means is the great message, the great news. The way I liken it, it you know, it, the Greek word is you, which is uh, EU, what we would say, like from eulogy or euphemism. It's something good, you know, something good. Message, the good message. What I would say, probably the biggest uh, equivalent is, well, let me give you an example of our, of our eldest. When, when Anna found out that she was pregnant, it was in December, right? It was December, maybe end of November, of 2007, and we decided we're going to hold off on telling our parents. And so what we did, wasn't it that year we painted the, the, that we actually painted a piggy bank. We painted a piggy bank and painted on it grandchild fun. And we, since it was near Christmas time, we wrapped it up and gave it to them. And, um, and they open it up, you know, at Christmas time, and what is this? It's a piggy bank, you know? And they read it, and I think her mom got it right away. But, you know, my father-in-law, maybe a little bit slower. You know us men are, are probably three times slower than you women. And I don't get it, grandchild fund. And they were super excited. This is you, Angelos. What is the most precious news you've ever heard? That's it. It's not like, hey, burritos at Taco Bell are high off price. No. This is the most exciting news. If you have had a child or whatever, it's, you know, I'm engaged, something. That's what this is. Read on. But even if, we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you. Let them be under God's curse. By the way, the Greek word that is used when he says this is anathema. It means cursed from God. If you're bringing a different gospel than the one I preach to you, you should be cursed from God. Okay? As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than than what you accepted, 
Let them be under a curse. He said there is one gospel. That's it. These other ones are not gospels. They are imposters. Gospel imposters. It reminds me of the text in John chapter 10. If you want to go there, you don't have to. I'm just going to read real quick because we have a little bit of stuff to get through. So uh, John chapter 10, he says this at the very beginning of the chapter. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. So he says, if you don't go in via the gate, you are a what? Thief and a robber. You are there to do damage to people. If you are not going through the gate, you're doing damage. Now, I sadly admit, when I was younger, much younger, there were times where I would sneak into places that you would probably have to pay a fee to get in. Maybe a theater of some kind or some kind of park or, or whatever. And I thought it innocent. And uh, looking back, I, I, I still feel, well, did I really hurt somebody? But you think of the days we are in now. You know, I go to, I, I subbed at Hinsdale Academy this last week. Growing up in school, you know how it was. You just walk into a school. Walk in, you go, you know. I have to buzz there. I see you right there. You see me. Well, luckily they recognize me. You know, but there's still a speaker there. There's one entrance in. Supposed to be one entrance out. Because the one who tries to get in through the other gates is there to do damage. You know that. That's why you even go to sporting events, and they have more security there, and they are starting to do the, the metal detectors. That's why you spend an hour and a half waiting in security while you're at the airport. There's only one way in. Could you imagine if there were 10 gates in and, well, just go on in? They're there to do damage. There's one gate. And what is that gate? He says in verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. There is one place of safety, and you come through the gate, which is me. So if you want to summarize the gospel, it's Jesus. Understand that? Jesus is the gospel. Now I want to show you before, because I want to give you an overview real quick of Galatia. Now Galatia, which most people, there are a lot of people confused about this. Galatia is different than, you know, where you have Ephesus or, or, the, or Corinth, because those are cities. But Galatia is a region. It's a region that covered several cities. So what this tells me is that this gospel that's not really a gospel was spreading fast. It wasn't just a city this is spreading from city to city to city to city, and you're going to lose people. There are people that are losing salvation over this message. So, this gospel that wasn't a gospel, 
What is it? We'll read it in the text. I will tell you briefly. Galatia was under attack from Jewish Christians that were saying, you're not doing enough to be saved. If you are a good Christian, you will do these things. You will be a Jew. And it all centered around one thing. I mean, the the real pinnacle of this was circumcision. And it got so bad that Paul at one point said, these people that are preaching about circumcision, I wish they'd circumcise themselves. Again, mutilate. That's what he, he, the word he uses. I wish they'd mutilate themselves. Because this is not a gospel and it's harmful. So he proceeds and he says, there's, not, there's this gospel, and then he proceeds to give his testimony. And this testimony, it starts in Galatians chapter, or verse 1. It says in verse 1, it says this, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And then in verse, uh, verse 11, it continues. If I was at verse 11. It continues, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation of, from Jesus Christ. He says, this isn't from man. This is from God. And he tells his testimony how God brought him out of the same gospel he believed, this, which isn't a gospel, that Judaism will save you. Your lifestyles will save you. That isn't a gospel. If you believe that what you do in any way gains you merit to the kingdom of God, you need to repent. I'm going to say that again. Because I feel so strongly about this, and I feel that I am at the wrong church if you don't think that this is the direction we should go. And it doesn't mean that you're bad people, I'm bad people. No, person, I guess I'm a person, not a people. Although I'm married, you know. If you believe that anything that you do or do not do, abstain from, brings any merit to your relationship to God or your relationship to salvation, then you need to repent now. The people in Acts, when Peter is preaching to them, they were Jews visiting the area. When he says repent, he was not saying repent because they were drunkards and all these, you know, they weren't, you know, gamblers, drunkards, whatever you say it is that we normally think, you know, adulterers, that is not the main reason he said repent. He said repent because you have a false religion and you have made these deeds your righteousness. And that is the gospel that is not a gospel. Do you guys understand this? 
So he tells his testimony. This is what happened. I was blinded. You know, the, you know, the Lord showed himself to me. I was blinded. You know, they fell off. The, the scales fell off. I was, you know, I gave my life to Christ. But he said, I was very zealous as a Jew. And he says this several times. He says it in Acts. He says it here. I'm not anti-Jew. I love my people. In Romans chapter 9, he said, if I knew that somehow my people could be saved and I would be accursed, I would trade in a heartbeat. Because I love my people. I love Judaism. I'm not anti-Jew, but I gotta say something. And he's also saying, I received this from God. You know, in my mind, I'm not saying I never, I haven't read this anywhere, but I wonder if he said this is from, this is from God because he had somebody to compete with. Moses. Because Moses told him about circumcision, right? Circumcision is a representative of the covenant. And he got this message from God. And now Paul is saying, well, I've got a message from the Lord Jesus that you do not technically have to be circumcised to be part of this covenant and to be saved, but you're fighting against God's servant, Moses. So he said, I didn't talk to one single person like the disciples about this for three years. I got this straight from the Lord's mouth. So my question to you is, how much Judaism do I need to be saved? And maybe in our context, how much Adventism do I need to be saved? That is the question. How much Adventism do I need to be saved? Just as like there. Now, I, I want to remind you, when I say not even circumcision, circumcision was the one thing that reminded you were in covenant. It was a physical reminder that you are in covenant with the Lord. Do you even, can you even grasp how deep this is? That's like me saying, we as Seventh-day Adventists, it's okay to give up the Seventh-day Sabbath. Or that Jesus is coming again. Do you, do you understand the gravity of this? What he is saying here with circumcision, it's not like, hey, it's okay that you eat meat. You know, because some people eat meat, some people don't. It's not that. Circumcision was why you were a believer. This is the representative. If, if he would have said, it's okay for you to give up the Sabbath or the, the second coming, that's more an equa equation here. That's how big this is. It was so big that, do you remember the story of Zipporah and Moses? Remember, they're traveling and God is upset. And what's the thing that appeases God, a sense, in a, you know, sort of circumcision. The circumcision of his son, but this was huge. They even, remember the Joseph, uh, Jacob's sons that tricked the, the people of Shechem? They even... They, it was important. I mean, now they tricked the guys and they ended up killing all of them, but they said, if you are going to join with, with Dina or Dinah, 
all of your men have to be circumcised if you want to join us because that's part of our covenant. That's our relationship with the Lord. You have to do this. But Paul says this is a gospel that is not a gospel. This is not what joins you in covenant with the Lord. Now my question to you is, do we have our Adventist, quote, circumcisions? Things that we believe keep us in covenant with the Lord that are a gospel but not a gospel. I am going to give you examples, and then I will talk out of the other side of my mouth. I will let you know. I'm warning you. I'm going to talk out of the other side of my mouth. I was so frustrated. And I'm not a, you know, I know that our world in Adventism, somebody knows somebody in every single church in this. So I have to talk in vague, you know, these people from a different planet in Mars, the Seventh-day Adventist church in Mars. I was so frustrated. There was a lady who I actually visited with. They, they, I didn't pastor that town or anything, but I, I did some studies with her. And she was non-Adventist, non-Christian, but then became sort of Christian, but had some different views. Eventually, she said, I agree in everything that you believe, and I want to be baptized as a Christian Seventh-day Adventist. My only challenge is I want to, I don't know quite how I put Ellen White in here. I've read some stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know if I believe her totally in all of her writings as, as a prophet, but I, I, I enjoy reading some of her writings. I'm just not there, but I want to be baptized. And my family's coming in, you know, I want to be baptized. And the elders of the church said, and if you do not believe in Ellen White and her inspiration that she is a prophet, do you know that she says, and I believe it's in Life, uh, Life Sketches, page 198, she says this concerning her testimonies. Oh, you guys have it so wrong. I'm paraphrasing. If people would be in the word, you would not need my testimonies. She has said in other places that people can live Christian Adventist lives without her writings. Now, again, I will talk out of the other side of my mouth in a minute. If she heard that she and her writings were being made a test of membership, I personally believe with reading a lot of her writings, she would be appalled. She would be appalled. She is not a test. Oh, I've, I've been at places also. Again, got to be careful. I, inter I, I did a phone interview, sort of an informal phone interview uh, at one point, and I talked to the elder over the phone, and, and he said, uh, and I just, I know the way I think and the way, he said, well, if, if somebody walked in off the street, 
and they had a wedding band on, I'm not going to tell them to take it off. But if they're there for a few weeks and they want to, you know, they think they might want to stay a little bit longer, well, I know what we believe. I said, well, I think we're on two different pages, so thank you for your time. I don't belong there. I don't think that they're bad people. I just know it's not a fit. But I know people have been rejected baptism over an $8. This is how, that's how much this costs, $8. $8 piece of ring that I wear mostly because I go to the gym with non-Christians. Not, you know, um, It's all scratched up. I'll put it back in. <laughs> you know, she has an invisible one around my nose and, you know, you know, the leash, shot collar. How about diet? I know, because I grew up with this, that there have been people that have been rejected baptism because they were not willing to give up a certain diet. Let me read. I am going to read from... Where people get this, because Scripture never talks about that somebody should do that. But I will read from Ellen White. I just want to share one thing that she says here. And this is found in a, in a manuscript, but it's later put into a Councils to Call Porters regard, regarding carefulness and diet. And it says this. If you are a Bible doer, as a well-Bible reader... You must understand from the scriptures that swine's flesh was prohibited by Jesus Christ and shrouded in the billowy cloud. But this is not a test question. And if you understand what that test question means, it means a test of membership. This is not something that is a test of membership. Directions have been given to the families that such articles as butter and eating largely of flesh, meats, is not for the best for physical and mental health. It's not the best. Fruits and grains and vegetables would, uh, would, if cooked properly and eaten in moderate quantities, be proper, at our, proper articles of diets. But she states in there, this should in no means, and she says it several times in other places, diet should not be a test of membership. So if you do believe she is inspired, why do we go against that counsel and make a gospel that is not really a gospel? Why do we hang more things around people's necks? And if you really think about this logically, if the gospel, that which is not really gospel, is the gospel, you will fail every time. Because guess what? You might, okay, I'm, do you remember the, the things that where you put the plates on top of the, the sticks? And, and there's some people that used to do this, you know, probably in Vegas, you know. That's probably where it all started, where it became big. And they'd have the sticks up there, and then you spin, 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 spin. And then you'd have to run over here, spin, 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 spin. And you have to go back and forth and spin it. And the point is that you keep it spinning, and it never falls. I tell you, if you are trying to spin Every lifestyle that you think brings you merit to God, whether it's vegetarian veganism, 
what I wear, uh, you know, all these kinds of things, something will fall. I have a, several times I have seen this, and I do have a theory, but I'm not going to explain it here because it would take too much time. I have seen several times where when people live this kind of religion, of spinning these plates, thinking that that's what brings them righteousness, that there's one sin that is hidden that happens a lot. And it's sexual sins. I have seen it more than twice. Where when people feel like they have to do this kind of thing, you're going to crack somewhere. And a lot of times it happens. And you think about sexual sins now. And, I, and I'm sorry, I know that there are, I have to be a little bit sensitive of, of audience. But you think of the accessibility of what you can see online. The garbage you can see online. And if you tell me, because psychologically they are finding out that biochemically in your brain, that is the same intimacy that is happening as if that person is really there. When, when this encounter happens, that this is the same. It's the same. You are making a bond with somebody you see online. But it's hidden. So I can come to church and I can talk about Oh, really? They have cheese at the potluck? Or I can talk about, oh, this person drinks that or eats that or, or, you know, this person wears that? And you're telling me that if somebody had an earring in, that that is worse for spiritual health and a relationship with God than if they are watching that garbage on the computer? This is the damage that was happening in Galatia. You're preaching a gospel that is not a gospel. Now, let me please, I, I'm so sorry I'm taking this. Let me speak out of the other side of my mouth now to create balance. There is a verse in, in Romans that says this, and I, and I want to read it for you. And then in, the, in Romans chapter 3, verse 1, as he's talking about the gospel, he says this. What advantage, then, is there in being a Jew? Because he's teaching, you know, almost salvation comes from Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Or is there any value in circumcision? Remember, he was just saying, you don't need to be circumcised to be saved. Much in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. So is there an advantage to being a Jew to them? Yes. Do I believe there's an advantage to being a Seventh-day Adventist? Yes, or I would not be a Seventh-day Adventist. Do I believe there is an advantage in our health message? Yes. Do I believe that there is an advantage in living modestly? Yes. Do I believe that we have an advantage by having the writings of Ellen G. White? Yes. If you haven't read The Desire of Ages, you need to read it after the sermon. I read it twice in a year when I was in Korea. We have the advantage of it. 
But if it, is, if it is tied to the gospel as being something that is required for salvation, then it is the gospel that is not a gospel. And I truly believe with all my heart she would say the same. And I believe definitely that scripture says this. There is one gospel, and quickly we will go through this. First part of the gospel is that God loves you. He created you and he loves you. In Romans chapter 8, at the very end, it says, there is nothing in this world or in any other world or in any other galaxy or any spiritual being, anything that can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Guess what? That's nothing you even do. If you were the one who was watching that stuff, it doesn't matter. On his side, there is nothing that can separate you from his love. Nothing. Do you know what nothing means? It means nothing. It's a vacuum. Boom. There's nothing. Secondly, because God gives us choice, which I know at times all of us have probably wished that he didn't give us choice, but because we have, because Adam had choice, we chose death. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's in Romans chapter 3, and it says all, there is not one righteous, that is also in Romans 3, and in Romans chapter 6 it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. By the way, you understand the difference between wages and gift, right? Wages you have to earn. Do you know that we earn death and sin? God gives, you know, you don't earn a gift. He gives it to you, but I would rather work to die. It's sort of confusing. We chose it. We chose death. But the heart of the gospel is Jesus became, in Romans chapter 5, it says Jesus became the second Adam. Through one man, sin came into the world and brought death to you and I. But that much greater, through one man who took the place and became the second representative of mankind, he died and was resurrected because of you. He did it all. Do you understand? You don't have to spin plates anymore. I'm not saying, again, that it's not healthy. It's, it's healthy to live a healthier lifestyle. But it is not what determines your relation, that's not it. It's not the salvation part. And it says in Romans chapter 5 that they, and, and, and maybe I'll just read it real quick. Romans chapter 5 verse 10. He says this, For if when we were at God's enemies, do you know that? And it's, he speaks... Inclusive. 
you're God, you were God's enemy. I was an enemy of God. If when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through vegetarianism. Is that what is that? No, no, wait, wait, wait. We were reconciled to him through getting rid of our jewelry. Is that what he said? Okay, this one I promise. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? It's all Jesus. And if you've lived a life where you've had to juggle anything but Jesus, I say repent not as in you feel guilt and you beat yourself up over it. It's just that come back to the throne of grace. Because finally, in John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, Yet to all who have received him, to those who have believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You are adopted into his kingdom, and I'm just telling you, if you have a child, you know that every time they make a mistake, which they will, except for my children, in the second, no, they probably just made a mistake, but you know that you do not give up your child every time they make a mistake. They are your child. The gospel is Jesus loves you. He took our place. He died for you, and you will be resurrected with him. Do you know about uh, 15 years ago, I guess it's a little bit less, about 2004, so I guess 13 years ago, there was a man, and his name uh, is, let me find it again, Jorgen Vig Nukstorp. You guys know? I mean, it's a very common American name. Uh, Jorgen Vig Nukstorp, and I'm pronouncing it, there's a K-N, you know, maybe it's Knupstorp, you know, um, became the CEO of a company called Lego in 2004. Now, if you know what's happening, Lego was in crisis. They were about to file bankruptcy. What a far cry from right now. You know, they've made several, I mean, there's Lego movies coming out like every other year. Actually, the first weekend that the original Lego movie came out, like two years ago, it made $69 million in the first weekend. That's a lot of money. But they were about to shut down. They said, actually, uh, the testimony was that this was a terrible period between 1999 and 2003 of our existence. We were ready to shut down the specialized motors and lighting packs, uh, cost the company more than they were charging to make them. So they're losing money. I mean, it's pouring out of their wallets. 
And where it all started is they said, uh, in the 1990s, they decided to replace all of their creators and designers. They said, we're getting rid of you guys, and we're going to bring in these 30 great innovators that go to the great colleges of Europe. And they did it, and they started creating these new things. There's one called the Galador, which um, I think that's the first photo up there, or the next photo, the Galador. If you notice, his hands are a little bit different than the, than the other ones, the Lego ones. They started making things that actually didn't fit their profile. And they said, this is going to make us tons of money. Well, by 2001, 2003, they found out that the only thing, the only reason they're still breathing is the Star Wars Legos, the original, like, Star Wars Legos. They're still selling. Okay. And in 2004, he said, let's cut all this dead weight. And what they had done is that before they had hired all these 30 innovators, they had about 6,000 pieces, separate pieces for Legos. That means for all the little packages, if you have, a, if you have a, like a Batman one or, you know, whatever those different pieces to manufacture, there were about 6,000. They have gone up to about 13 and 14,000 in four years. And some of them were motorized and all these, and they were, they were just losing money, losing money. And he said, you know what? We're cutting all that, and we're going back to 6,000. And they did. And within a couple of years, oh, by the way, they, they said, we want our customers to tell us what they like. And they found out, stick with the basics. And through that, they have become a force again. If you read my little article, I don't even want to buy off-brand Legos, which I have done before, because they don't always fit to the Legos. But I will pay, and I don't like doing this. If you know me, you know I don't like paying full price on anything. Anything. I will look for a coupon to take my wife out on a date. She knows this, and she loves this about me. Because then I can provide her with other cheap things. So, But Lego... I will not anymore cheap out on Legos because there is no one but Lego that, that fits that way. I want us to shed all the stuff that we think is the gospel but is not the gospel. I'm not saying I want to get rid of the things that I believe are healthy, but I want, you to, I want us as a church to start keeping it in perspective. I am saved by grace through faith, not of my own works, but by Jesus Christ, period. Let's pray. Father, I am saved by you. I know that the enemy wants to put whatever information, he wants to download in people that, no, you're not quite saved without this, this, this. 
But Father, it is from the enemy. I am saved because of the love and the grace and the work of Jesus Christ alone. And I praise you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Adonai vayishmareka yaer Adonai panav alecha vichunecha yisa Adonai panav alecha vayasem lecha shalom the Lord keep bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace Father we know of your grace. To you be glorified always. Amen. Happy Sabbath. Go get lunch.